Hey there, Ruby fans! Welcome to another episode of Ruby Redux here on Rooster Team Radio. Today we are talking about Volume 7, Episode 3, Ace Operatives. I'm your host, Megan Salinas, and I have a fantastic group of hosts with me! So let's not waste any time, let me go ahead and introduce them. To my right, <laughs> sitting next to me, uh, is the wonderful Katie Cullen. Hi, all my buddies! Calling in from here in Los Angeles is the lovely Stacy Shuttleworth. Hello, hello. And then joining us from all the way across the country is the fantastic Mark Vedonica. I'd like to think that I'm lovely as well, Megan. <laughs> You're all lovely. You're all wonderful. You're all lovely. You're all wonderful. You're all fantastic. <laughs> Brilliant. I'll take it. <laughs> and that's the show, everybody. <laughs> and that's the Good show. Good night, everyone. We do this for validation, and I think Mark has gotten that now, so we're done. Pack it up, everyone. Does that mean we're down a member of the team? <laughs> no, we're all done. We got all the validation we need. Okay, time to go. Bye. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, see, I feel like we should have left a couple of seconds of silence after that to just really throw everyone off. <laughs> no, we're good. Wait, they're done? Is Shit. It over? <laughs> it's over now, guys. No more. We'll never talk about Ruby ever again. Uh, no, I think I'd die if I couldn't talk about Ruby ever. <laughs> I would expire and, and be no more. I would turn to dust. Those are some very specific parameters for living. <laughs> what do you do in the off season? This is how I talk when I don't have any coffee. Uh, there's a big old pot of it over here, and it's just out of reach. All right, guys. <laughs> Let's get to it. Well, no, if Megan doesn't talk for a long stream and we hear like a distant... Uh... She's finally given up. <laughs> It is the thing that and Ruby are what sustain me. <laughs> uh, so, okay, guys, let's let's get into it. Uh, it's I lo- I love talking about this show with you guys. It makes me so happy. All right, so let's get into it. Uh, so this episode is all about getting back to Hunter and Hunter's missions. Like it's been a minute since we've gone on like a straight up Huntsman mission. And this one is all about clearing the launch site for that, uh, for Ironwood's new satellite. And, uh, you know, they're doing stuff on the tundra. They're clearing things out. But there is a geist hiding in the mines. And so we, this episode is a lot of, like, what we get in the intro for this volume. But also, in a lot of ways, I kind of look at this as, like, This is a classic Ruby episode. It gives you a little bit of everything. It gives you great, fun character moments. It gives you great action. It moves the plot forward. Uh, Like, this is, like, there's usually a few of them within every volume where I just kind of look at them. I'm like, this is a quintessential Ruby episode. Uh, So, yeah, I wanted to know, what did you guys think of it? Let's start with Mark. I, I tweeted this from the I, I was about to say the company account. I tweeted this from the company account uh, that this is one of those episodes that like like you were just saying, it gives you everything. This is something where by the end of it, you leap out of your seat and when the credits start wondering, wait, that was it. that was the whole episode that and th- it goes by in a flash. You get so much of everything. you get uh, references slash uh, Recir- circling back to references from previous seasons you get 
uh, several sweet, sweet new music tracks that I can't wait to get the soundtrack for. You get action-packed action. You get new weapons. You get new semblances. You even get a little bit of shipping. There, I said it. I said it. And I'm <laughs> it. Yay! How do you mark? There's a moment. There's a moment we're gonna talk about, and I just I turned to to my wife Andrew and I said, and a thousand ships were sailed that day. <laughs> Mark, we were already well on the way, dude. Welcome to the Armada. Mark, I'm not even gonna lie. I was thinking about starting this episode by going, and apologies to Mr. Mark B. Donica because we have turned this into a shipping special. I've been I've been deceived. I've fallen for your trap card, but I. <laughs> I think this is, like you say, this is a quintessential Ruby episode, and I would say for this season, three out of three. I love it. I love it. Stacy, your thoughts on today's episode? Yes, exactly that. It had that nostalgia, but it also had something brand new, and we saw like a level of coordination of teamwork that we haven't really seen with Ruby before. Our teams just kind of keep growing, and to see them successfully coordinate all of these characters and all of their individual quirks and attacks and abilities and to see it all come together into something so seamless was just a joy and so exciting and there were so many things to be excited about in this episode from the new outfits to you know all of our little shipping moments it it was ruby through and through uh yeah it was beautiful i can't wait to get into it uh katie thoughts the problem with having such brilliant people on this podcast is that when you put me last, <laughs> everything I want to say has already been said. <laughs> yeah, I don't know that I have anything else to add for the broad strokes because, yeah, this was basic Ruby at its core and it was a hell of a lot of fun to watch. And also a little horror movie at the end, which was also basic Ruby at its core. Let's be real. Oh, I love when they throw in the horror movie moments. Um, Yeah, this episode was a ton of fun And uh, Ruby, you know, goes back and forth Between being really fun and lighthearted And really dark And uh, in in the case of the last few episodes Pretty suspenseful Like even when we get like shining moments of happiness and glory Like getting Penny back You know, we're also pretty apprehensive About what's going on with Ironwood So have having an episode focused on just a, a straightforward Grim clearing mission Where you're working with a bunch of really competent huntsmen and women Like hunters and huntresses It's It's just fun. And so after a couple really suspenseful episodes, it's really great to have one where we can just sit back and have a good time and like eat popcorn while we watch the fireworks, basically. So, yeah, this was a great time. Uh, Stacy, you mentioned uh, the new looks. And yeah, let's go ahead and talk about makeover time. (laughs) I legitimately do think that most people got really short haircuts because... A military haircut is the only thing Atlas knows how to do. They bring their designs in, and that's what they come out with anyways. (laughs) (laughs) And Yang's over here like, no. (laughs) Nobody touch it. Um, (laughs) Well, yeah, we got treated to to a glimpse at the new look uh, back uh, around RTX. You know, we got uh, introduced to the new character designs. And so we've gotten a little bit of time to get used to them. This is the first time we're seeing them in action. And um, and I really appreciate the changes that everybody made. 
something I kind of didn't even realize that was a change was Ruby's, you know, Ruby's hood over the last few volumes. It, you know, it's become very tattered as they've been on the road going from place to place. And it's been a very battle worn outfit. And so seeing her with a new hood where her cape is no longer in tatters like that to me was the thing that stood out the most. I'm like, oh, she has a new hood. That's incredible. Um, but yeah, overall, thoughts on the new look. Uh, let's start with Katie. I really did enjoy the new looks. It's it's always a bit of a shock to see a character get a makeover, but it's... I did enjoy how they looked. What really stood out to me was Blake's, partially because calling attention to the haircut, because yeah, going from really long hair to really short hair is a change, and partially because of the changes they made to Gamble Shroud. The repairing it with gold bit is an actual pottery repair technique from Japan called Kintsugi or Kintsukuroi. And it's the art of repairing broken pottery by mending the areas of breakage with lacquer, dusted, or mixed with powdered gold, silver, or platinum. So basically, it's looking at something and saying, yeah, once upon a time this was broken, and now it's back together, and it's beautiful. We're not hiding the flaws. We are highlighting where the issues were, and we made them beautiful. I'm like, that's so good for Blake's character. Oh my god. That's fantastic. What a great detail. Yeah, I think that I think that's both beautiful on just like a very functional level for her weapon and also very much in line with her character arc. Uh, I think it's great. Uh, Stacy, what what did what stood out to you the most about these new designs? I mean, yes, yes, yes. We're going to pro- prolong that moment about uh, Blake's weapon, about Glamble Shroud for a little bit longer because that is just absolutely beautiful. But uh I feel like Weiss really comes into her own with this new outfit. She just goes full drama and full swooshing skirts and super belts. I mean, there's like yes. this super like Square Enix, um, is it Fate Stay like kind of feel to her outfits that is just 100% my aesthetic anyways. So like, <laughs> go out there and be dramatic. All about that. Uh, and then Yang's too. Um, it's like okay, that that design's cool coming coming into it, but I think there's so much individuality packed into her new look that that really got showcased throughout the episode. All these little details and ways that things move and actually look uh, in when animated. That is just they're all so unique now. I will say there was one little part of Yang's that drove me crazy, and that's just because I grew up in colder climates. Where it could get below zero and, you know, super fun. Um, the straps on her overalls, I think they're overalls at this point. It's basically metal on bare skin and they are in the frozen wasteland. Like I looked at that and went, ah, Yang has zero fears. <laughs> she burns, Katie. <laughs> it's still cold metal on bare skin. That's still not a great plan. She's too hot to handle. It's not going to bother her. Um, so, and Mark, what stood out to you the most about these designs? Hi, at me. Uh, much, much to Stacy's comment about Weiss being very Final Fantasy, I would say Yang is very Kingdom Hearts in that zippers everywhere. Um, <laughs> For but collar. <laughs> of the, so I've been trying to find the comment in our Discord, but the, our RT first releases thread is really, really long right now. 
Um, but somebody brought up a, a thought that um, Ruby's hood, th- like they got the sense that Ruby's hood was something left over from summer. And I don't know if we were ever expressly told that. Um, does, does it does that ring anybody a bell for anybody? Yeah, nope. That. No, it was it was in the box with her her new stuff, just like everybody else's. Um, if it was Summers, that was something that even Ironwood didn't tell no, no, no. her about. No, 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 no. The one that she's been wearing this whole time. Oh, oh. Not the new one. That, honestly, that doesn't ring a bell. Um, I don't know. It Like, Summer always had a white hood, so I don't necessarily think that it used to belong to Summer. But also, it wouldn't surprise me if it had belonged to Summer and... Ruby, you know, it got passed down to Ruby. Um, but at the same time, I could also just see Ruby wanting to do a hood like her mom. Yeah, I think the design aesthetic definitely came from mom, but the actual physical hood, probably not so much. Let's be real, Summer probably got buried in hers. And probably now I'm picturing like Tai Yang, like slaving over a sewing machine going, why don't I get any credit? I I worked (laughs) myself to the bone for this hood. I really want to see all the people that essentially worked overnight to upgrade or repair all those weapons and make all of these new clothes from what? Eyeing it? Measurements? How would you know? Where were the fittings? Like, how did they do this? I, I was a bit in a, in a haze uh, after last week's episode. Did they say that there was going to be a mission tomorrow? Like, is this the next day or is this a couple days? I think this is a couple, like, uh, uh, no time frame, I think, was specified. Um, I think this is actually a couple days later because when they're talking to Pietro, he says specifically, sorry, it took so long. I don't think he would have said that if he got it back to them within a couple hours or overnight. So I think it's been a couple days. Uh, but uh, of the of the new outfits, if we're talking Solid Kingdom Hearts, it's got to be my girl Nora. Like, yeah. Yeah. Yep. I love I'm I, I've gone on record with a, a couple of shows that we've done where costume design shows so much about the character and one of the ones that I really wanted to talk about was Ren. His new like shoulder pauldron being pink and and being reminiscent of his color scheme as well but it also shows it reveals a bit to me anyway and Nora sort of points it out like hey I like your new look that a bit of Nora he's trying to it's representing that a bit of Nora is kind of holding him together with the latch that comes Aww. down and locks around that's that's the message that I got immediately from that and yes there's the comedy scene and yes there was Jean being the most David I think he's ever been <laughs> it was a very David delivery wasn't it Absolutely. I, that's the first time that Jean has had a line read where I didn't listen to it and go that's Jean I listened to it and went that's Miles Miles your David is showing <laughs> But um, I, I even just the uh, the further incorporation of Pira's look into Jean as well. I think that there, there's something we're going to be talking about in a bit that highlights the Team Ruby redesigns. But I, I think that the, the Juniper uh, redesigns are phenomenal. 
Oh, yeah. Agreed. Um, I, I do think they do sort of get overshadowed by Team Ruby's new look. But yeah, we Team uh, Juniper's new look should not be understated. They look great. I do love Hell that no. Ren is one of the few that did not get a haircut, and he is just shaggy. <laughs> He's yeah. got the braid going on, but if anyone could have used a haircut, it was probably him. He saw Jean go in first, and when he came out, he just turned around and walked away. Nope. You're not doing this <laughs> with my hair. Exactly. Like, oh, no. And he just hangs out in the corner with Yang. Like, yeah, yeah, this is the safe corner. Hard pass. <laughs> no, thanks. Yeah, yeah. knowing knowing Ren, Please it would- Please do not do anything to the cook. <laughs> no, knowing Ren, it would be- no, thanks. And then that would be all that was said. <laughs> and then he'd walk away. Um, but but you brought it up, Mark, uh, that, yeah, there was something that was highlighting specifically the, the Ruby redesigns, the Team Ruby redesigns. Uh, Carrie, Carrie Sharkross, um, Sharkross? How do you Shawcross. say Sharkross. Sharkross. Oh, my Lord. There's only one R in there. All right, guys, I'm taking that coffee break. <laughs> So I'll continue. Carrie Shawcross. Wait, no, I don't have it in front of me. (laughs) Um, But Carrie put up a blog post talking about the new redesigns. And um, specifically, he brought up the fact that Ayn Lee uh, was, you know, worked with Monty during the original character designs. And so it only made sense to continue to work with her uh, as the characters changed looks from from various volumes and even though we all love the the volume four to volume six looks you know after three years it's time for a change and so i wanted to give a special shout out to ein lee patrick rodriguez and aaron Wynn. um and uh patrick rodriguez is the art director and aaron Wynn is the lead concept design artist uh they all work together on these new redesigns. So I kind of came up with them, and then they worked with the, uh, the animation and, like, rigging teams to figure out if those redesigns, you know, work that work on paper, if they would actually work in practice as well. Like, kind of looking at Yang's sleeve was a good example that they brought up in the blog post of, like, well... You know, when she moves, how does that actually work? You know, it makes more sense for her to have rolled up sleeves given um, given the way she moves and given how her weapons work, et cetera, et cetera. If you haven't checked out the blog post yet, go give it a go give it a read. It's it's really great. It's always nice hearing about the behind the scenes of this show. And again, shout out to Kruby for knocking it out of the park with the way these look like they look incredible. So well done, everybody. I, I love that we kept sunglasses for Yang, and I love that they are now, like, orange cat eye glasses. Like, yes, please, thank you. I love it. They're very, uh, very, um, Kamina? That's the guy, right? Yeah. <laughs> Not quite Kamina. Honestly, my brain just went, Stratus Overwatch, but, you know. <laughs> uh, any other thoughts on, um, the new character redesigns? More. <laughs> Even Crow got a glow up. He did. Which I was not, I don't know if he got a haircut or not, but he definitely got a glow up. And I'm like, oh, good. Yay. I didn't notice. Did they fix his cape too? Or did he just kind of keep his tattered security blanket? He still got a cape. I just didn't notice if it was new or not. Same. I didn't either. No, I didn't either. (laughs) That's okay. He got a crow up and that's what counts. (laughs) How dare you? (laughs) I regret nothing. You, how long have we been doing this? 
<laughs> anyway. <laughs> so, yeah, everybody looks great, and all of Kruby should be really proud. Um, they look fantastic. Uh, and uh, speaking of, like, we, we immediately sort of, after everybody gets these new looks, like, we, the first time we get to see them in action is... And in kind of a throwback to volume one, everybody practicing their landing strategies. Landing strategies. Yeah. <laughs> Jean has one now. I'm so proud of him. He's come so far. <laughs> it really is nice to see uh, that he doesn't have to rely on someone else to save him now uh, in order to land. Uh, but yeah, we, we get this fun landing strategy sequence. And uh, so, yeah, who had who who was your favorite landing strategy? Uh, let's start with Stacy. I mean, John, he has one now that honestly, <laughs> it, was just, it was just so exciting to see. Like, yeah, everyone looks real cool. They all look very cool. But John landed <laughs> on his own without hurting himself. <laughs> hard same to be completely honest because everyone else is like oh yeah they've been able to do cool stuff since the beginning what's Jean gonna do and it's like yeah he did it my boy he's grown so much <laughs> Mark what do you think now not to burst everyone's bubble Nora <laughs> but you're no 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 but you're saying that Jean did it without anybody's help however he has hand-me-down weapons which is from his family he has incorporated Pira's stuff, so that's at least two people, and he got a weapon upgrade from Pietro. One would argue, semantically, the boy didn't do it on his own. <laughs> One, fuck your semantics, and two, the, the point is that he's actually learned what he's capable of, and he's willing to try things, as opposed to being yeeted off a platform and having to be saved by someone else. That's You know that's what we're getting at. There you go. I, I did want to ask an opinion, though, really quickly. So at it. the very end, he does, does he release like a burst shot from his shield, or does is that him landing and bouncing off because to me it felt like a like a sort of a who who has a not not necessarily a battering but you know what i mean did, did anybody else see that or is that just me i saw it as landing and bouncing off okay like the big thing was using the shield as a hang glider for a minute yeah okay great 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 um then then i'm crazy but in <laughs> No, it's just a different interpretation mark i'm gonna i'm gonna tie into what you're saying here and um go with the, the fact that he has incorporated more of Pyrrha's stuff into his armory and everything like that. One could argue that since he's using those things to help him land safely, that Pyrrha is still saving him to this day, even though she's not here anymore. From off in the distance, you hear this echo of, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> to answer the actual question, Ruby, because she was bouncing like Scrooge McDuck on the cane. So I... <laughs> I can't, I can't not. <laughs> That's incredible. Um, Life is like a hurricane here in Atlas. <laughs> uh, I'm actually going to give it to Weiss for my pick because uh, using her glyphs to slide down was, for me, very reminiscent of like, oh, look, she's grinding like in Sonic Adventure 2. <laughs> I'm all about it. And then the sword summoned to just whoop. I said the same thing. I was like, oh, sick grind. <laughs> <laughs> Anything
anything that reminds me of Sonic Adventure 2 is a winner in my book. So well done. Weiss gets it for me. Um, <laughs> but uh, before like the, the mission proper gets started, you know, we do have a little powwow about, and this is what we were talking about a lot last week, what are we going to do about Ironwood? Are we really not going to be forthcoming with him? And, you know, are we really going to keep hiding the truth from him? Because as Oscar points out, isn't that what Oz did with us? And Team Ruby, you know, kind of basically, pick, you know, presents the exact perspectives we were talking about last week of like, Ironwood's heart seems to be in the right place. We don't know if we can trust him, though. <laughs> so um, about how long do you guys think... Uh, like, out of all of them, Weiss and Blake seem to be more on board with Ruby's strategy, but it doesn't seem to be sitting well with Yang. Do you guys think this is going to present some strife between these two characters in the same way that there's clearly strife, there, there was clearly strife between Raven and Summer, even though we don't get to see it? Let's start with uh, Katie. I don't know if it's going to come to a head quite that badly, but I do love that we are keeping in line with what we've had from Yang before, is that she really does not like people lying to her and keeping information from her. She got it from her mom, she got it from Oz, she got it from a hell of a lot of people. So this not sitting well with her more than anyone else makes a lot of sense. <clears throat> I do appreciate that... There's really not a right answer here because they got betrayed by Leo. They still need to kind of figure out what they're doing, what's going on. Can they trust Ironwood? We don't know. But I appreciate that, especially with Oscar pointing out, doesn't this make us like Oz, that there's no right answer, that there's no good way to do this, and that maybe now they're understanding a little bit of why Ozpin made the decisions that he did. Because there's never a right answer. There wasn't for him. There isn't for them. There's no good, perfect way to do this because that's not how life works. So I appreciate that they're all maybe getting a little more insight into why Oz did what he did in terms of information dissemination. Like, I like that we're getting that. And I like that they're not hitting us over the head with it. Like, we didn't stop to have a big old ethical debate. We just had people touching base with each other. Hey, are we sure about this? Hey, do we want to do this? Hey, what's the plan? Like, we didn't stop and have a morality class. We just kind of, yeah, okay, we trust you to understand how these characters think because we're in season seven of this show. And uh, we're going to give you a little bit to chew on and we're going to move on with the rest of the episode. Mark, what do you think? That's really interesting, Katie, you bringing this up. Like, I can understand now why you thought that this was the next day, because how did they not have an opportunity to talk this over unless they were worried slash paranoid, the paranoia is back, that <laughs> they were being watched or listened to or bugged or whatever. So so I under I understand where you came on from that. And I, I agree that there is a lot to take in when it comes to this sort of a big decision and I wonder if them all agreeing to follow Ruby with her decision in the last episode, if Yang thought, yeah, we're going to follow you because 
she was under the impression that Ruby wasn't going to make the, the decision as Oz. And there's a little bit of seeds of um, discontent there. And the only reason why she's sort of letting it continue is because it's Ruby. So I, I think we won't necessarily get a blow up, but we might get a very stern sister. You know, you know what? I would love a bit of family counseling where you just put these two in a room and they just talk out everything because yeah, Yang was happy to see Ruby again after the long break, but you know, they didn't leave on the best terms. They're, they, they didn't really, they haven't really vented to each other. And while we have had like the positive hurrah sisterly moments, we haven't had like the family moments. And I think that's something that we're going to be getting later on. And if not, it's just going to keep building and building and building until there's just going to be a shout match against each other at the worst possible time. I could definitely see it coming to a head like that for sure. Stacy, what do you think? Yeah, I, I think I um, absolutely agree with that, especially with the way, you know, that it's being set up and how, yeah, on the surface, like everything's fine, but they haven't really dug down into what's going on and how they feel. And maybe, you know, this was kind of the first, oh, wait, our morality doesn't quite line up like I just assumed it would for Yang. But for Ruby, I think she's also still very clearly uncomfortable with her decision. I think she thinks it's the right decision for the moment, so I don't expect her to like waffle between it too too much or but she's definitely struggling with having made that choice, with knowing that she was able to make that choice and to follow in Oz's footsteps. So I think it's good for her to be called out about it. So I was really happy to see Oscar and Yang both kind of stand up a little bit about it. Um whereas now she's got a very split team, Weiss and Blake, who are like, yeah, this is this is the right call. We've got to be very, very cautious. And then on the other side, the no, we need to be very open. So it might not just be a point of contention just for Ruby and Yang, although it's definitely a big building block. Oh, their first big relationship fight. <laughs> Everyone's growing up. <laughs> Stacy, I like what you had to say about her Ruby being very uncomfortable with it because she's so inherently good. And we were all taught, you know, from a very young age that lying is bad. And so seeing someone so inherently good and pure being forced to lie or being put in a situation where lying seems to be the best strategy, at least in the short term, like... And seeing that internal conflict and, and how much it's weighing on her. Like, uh, this is good drama. This is good stuff. Um, and and the fact that she's like, no, we'll tell him. We just, uh, just not right now. <laughs> it's really fun. Um, before we continue with the episode, because I want to talk shipping. Uh, so <laughs> Who doesn't? Before we get to, before we get to the, the shipping discussion, I want to talk to you guys really quickly about iTunes. Um, thank you guys so, so much to everybody who's gone to iTunes to rate and subscribe, leave a comment. We love hearing from you. And it is the best way to sort of help us out right now uh, as we're, we're finding our footing on this new platform. It helps make us uh, more searchable. And, um, of course, there 
are other ways to support us, you can go uh, to Anchor and uh, support us in that way. And we have a tea Public store. And these are all things that help us continue doing what we do. Um, but if you can't support via Anchor and via the Tee Public store, it is so, so easy to just leave a comment and let us know what you think about Ruby, what you think about Rooster Team Radio as a whole. We love hearing from you guys. And we especially love hearing from everybody sort of participating in our Discord. Uh, So if you guys haven't already done so, go join our Discord. Hop into that discussion. Uh, It's so fun sharing fan art, sharing theories. It is just a really good time talking to to people. We even have um, a thread in our Discord called I Am Proud of Me, which is one of my personal favorites, where it's basically just people sharing accomplishments that they're really proud of like even if it's just like I went out and went for a run today and it's just a way of like spreading positivity and I really appreciate that it's it's something I really like um I also have a big fan of the fan art thread too <laughs> like oh yeah oh that's one of my favorites um so thank you to everybody who who's done that uh go comment review Join the Discord. Join the conversation. We love you guys. You guys are the best. Okay, Mark, you have your conspiracy corner. Uh, Allow me to point to a different section of the room, what I would like to call the shipping shelf. So (laughs) let's go to the shipping shelf real quick (laughs) and take down a couple items. Uh, First of all, uh, I I forget who brought it up, uh, but with Blake's new look and the haircut, it me. <laughs> we have a, what I would like to call a bumblebee moment, guys. Uh, let's start with Stacy. Oh, what what did you think of this bumblebee moment? Ying got so flustered. It was adorable. <laughs> Yang's reaction. It was honestly. It, I mean, it was surprising. Yang doesn't act like that, as a general rule. So. Just... No, Yang is Yang is very flirty, very outspoken, uh, and you know she's she's always winking at people and kind of making in. Uh, she, she's never really made straight up innuendos, but like out of everybody, she's the most outwardly flirty of all of them, and it. <laughs> and so yeah, it's really funny to see her get a little flustered and be like, "Oh no, it looks great. Everything everything's great." Uh, Mark, uh, I know that shipping isn't your favorite discussion. Uh- <laughs> so, so my my thing about shipping is frivolous shipping. You know, stuff stuff where people just see two characters interact on screen and go, "But what if they kissed?" So that's half the fun of it, Mark. Live your life, Mark. <laughs> Man. I'm living my life too fast right now, and and adding shipping to especially a place where I work not necessarily the best idea. Anyway, um, <laughs> okay, legit. But um, but this has been something that has been going on in the story. This has been a, like I don't want to say legitimate. I want to say this has been a this has been a story item for years for seasons. So like this is just a relationship that they've been building to. So I don't. This isn't like in the frivolous shipping sort of i uh, i'm not trying to devalue anybody that ships that's just something that i don't do so when it came to this moment it was very i i i think along with the landing strategies this reminded me of early season one where you saw ruby fanning out and she for lack of a better word lost frames and just sort of started kind of like freaking out and doing base uh base motions and this and that at all of the uh 
childlike wonder that she had. And, and so to see it in a family member, I think it was also Yang giving us that visual cue that we're familiar with, with Ruby of not having her full faculties and being sort of disarmed. And I thought it was a wonderful visual choice and it was a very cute moment. And let, let's hope that there are more cute moments to come. So Mark is a cannon shipper then. <laughs> yes. Oh, 100%. If it, if it's canon, like, yeah, that's, it, it, we've, we've had this conversation in, on other platforms before, but if it's something that is in the story, yeah, I'll talk about it. Like, but it's just the, when, okay, when we did the shipping episode X amount of years ago <laughs> and, and you brought in a Google document that was literally just <laughs> a, a cross frame, a frame of characters with ship names to it. That's the stuff that's a little bit too much for me. I no, that's all right. You keep that. You have your fun. I'm going to be over here on a, on a park bench eating peanuts. Just like go, go on kids. Have your fun. I'm going to drag the shipping discussion into an area that you just said you don't like because I want to talk about Crow and Clover. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> I think. We're not even there yet. I'm there. <laughs> I live there. Sorry, Mark. We we were about to segue there. So yes, go, go yeah. right ahead. No. And I, I, I already said my bit about the haircut and the gold repair. And the, yeah, no, yeah, yeah, no, I'm here. I'm here for it. I love it. Um. Before I watched this episode, because, you know, people will tweet things, I saw a tweet, and I cannot remember for the life of me who it was from, making a comment about Crow's boyfriend count this season is up to two. And having watched this episode, I wholeheartedly agree. Holy cow. Luck shipping. Sign me up. Oh, my God. This... It's so nice for Crow of the trust no one, low self-esteem, my semblance hurts people, yada, 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 to straight up find someone who balances him out in terms of ridiculous luck powers and also just attitude. Like, this is some yin and yang going on here, and I love it, and I'm pretty sure Clover's gonna die because of it, because Crow is not allowed to be happy, but I appreciated all of this and i ship it uh to to give a little context i believe that was kim newman uh at kimbo slasher who wrote crow's ruby seven boyfriend count two how Uh, did you find that uh because she is a former lead animator on ruby uh she was a former lead animator at rooster teeth and i follow her on twitter and she's just great She, yeah, I knew it was someone I followed, but I, I, yep, okay, yep, I agree, she's good. Uh, but yeah, Mark, you, it's funny that you were talking about it, uh, in, in terms of frivolous shipping, uh, specifically, like, two characters interacting once on screen, and then people being like, no kiss, because quite literally, while I was watching this and seeing those two interact, I literally said, after Crow tripped, I was like, now kiss, (laughs) So <laughs> lucky I, you. I apologize. But yeah, we, we do have to kind of give a shout out to one particular moment. I want to shout out uh, Unicorn of War on Twitter, who put out a tweet pointing out some parallels. He wrote parallels as pointed out by at Jeremy Boss 007 hashtag Ruby hashtag Ruby spoilers, uh, where Clover is winking at Crow going lucky you, huh? Uh, they were making the comparison that. There was a waitress in volume 
five? Yes. Volume five. Volume four or five. I, I think I, it was four. Yes, it was volume four. The waitress, um, right before the scene where Crow and Raven sit down and have a family powwow, uh, the waitress brought over uh, stuff from the top shelf and winked at Crow and said, lucky you. So uh, the the vibe is Kinda, it's kind of clearly intentional. Oh, it's there. Oh, it's yeah. absolutely there. <laughs> Without a doubt. Uh, yeah, Stacy, what did what did you think? Do you ship it? Yes or no? Okay, so you know how uh, I wanted to see the Aesops and the good luck going against Crow's bad luck. This is exactly what I was talking about. <laughs> this this is everything <laughs> I could have wanted. I mean, come on, you go like the cliche, like tripping and him catching him, please. How yeah. <laughs> yep. What is, yep. How do you not go, okay, now kiss after that moment happens? How do you not? It's it's written into our DNA. I'm sorry. It's there. If you've been oh, in fandom geez. long enough, this is indeed a learned behavior. But oh yeah, I know. Now kiss. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's go. I'm down for the threesome. Throw an iron daddy. Let's go. Let's <laughs> Why not? <laughs> <laughs> oh lord <laughs> mark is over in a corner just like nope 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 mark nope, left nope. about five minutes ago if if you guys could see me while that conversation was happening it would be about what you imagine in your head like i've got i've got my mic on my desk and i'm i'm sitting in an office chair and i was just back hand on my forehead just like oh god <laughs> But at the at the same time, I'm not like no, don't do that. But it's just it's just something that I don't. While I didn't think, first of all, let me preface this by saying I learned it from watching you. Uh, <laughs> when, when, the mom, when the the moment happened, two things happened. One, I turned to my wife and I said, "And a thousand ships were sailed uh, that day." And then it's just been a song that's been stuck in my head for a week. Um, I don't know if any of y'all have watched AH the musical. Probably not, but. There are groups and pairs and things from the a- from AH that Gavin has given names, and Trevor, Alfredo, and Gavin are the Dusk Boys, and they during the musical they gave them a boy band song. <laughs> that's that's legit. When whenever they release the the music on like iTunes or Spotify on something, just given the amount of the Rooster Teeth audience and the AH audience, I think it can chart because it's ridiculously catchy. <laughs> the ba- so the the basic logline is you make it hard, so hard to breathe without you, and it's it's like that's also played in my head. So once I get, I need to get the clip and like have it cat like have the catch happen and then the close-up on crow's face and just have that sort of play as it closes in on him um but yeah those were those are the two moments but you stacy you were you were talking about how you wanted to see how the bad luck and the good luck interacted and i'm so happy that it didn't just like cancel each other out it's just the bad luck happens and also the good luck happens. So the best thing for those two people is to hang out as much as possible to try to to try to counteract and not necessarily just cancel. Well, would you look at that? They got to spend more time together. God Tragic. damn it. Absolutely. So, you know what? I'm going to be over here. Whatever. You guys just... No. You literally 
really brought this upon yourself. Really? You didn't think we'd go there after you ended it like that? Mark. (laughs) You know us. Mark, if you don't come, we need you to come back. We're going to talk about literary stuff in a minute. (laughs) But if you stay over there, we'll be stuck on the shipping shelf forever. I'm 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 unplugged with my headphones, but I'll just come back in like five minutes. <laughs> Mark wants to listen to the shipping later on. He just doesn't want to admit it now. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> um, I I really like the idea of good luck and bad luck, yin and yang. Um, I think it's great. Uh, Katie and I have been watching a lot of overly sarcastic stuff on YouTube, and whenever she—that's the channel name. That's not the uh, yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> the not channel a name is person. overly sarcastic productions. Um, but whenever she's going through and making summaries and talking about one character being in love with another character, very quietly, total eclipse from the heart will start playing <laughs> in the background. And so when when Clover caught Crow, I I started hearing total eclipse from the heart. I'm not even gonna lie and i need you now tonight <laughs> and i need you more than ever and that's all we're gonna play <laughs> play nothing but uh yeah i am all for this uh, i i think crow if we get by the end of the series if crow gets a boyfriend i will be very happy i really hope clover doesn't die i'm telling you if clover is his boyfriend clover's gonna die <laughs> crow's not allowed to be happy let him be happy (laughs) it's not how it works please let's start hashtag give crow a boyfriend um uh be more specific than that he'll wind up with like Tyrion or some shit (laughs) (laughs) i'm sure the fan fiction exists oh i don't doubt it um, but, uh, the, the other kind of shippy moment, like Mark touched on it earlier and there's not really much to, to point out about it, but the, uh, Ren and Nora moment where for the first time in a couple volumes, uh, probably since the early stuff, we had like overt flirty stuff from Nora. Um, and you really see this more in Ruby Chibi than you do in Ruby proper, but her, uh, her flirting with him and going like, I really like your outfit. There's not really much to it, but it's a very cute comedy moment. Mark pointing out how Nora's colors keeping Ren together. Like, I really liked that. I thought that was great. I just tuned back in what I missed. <laughs> Nora, here he comes. He was summoned by the siren call of Nora. I knew. Co- well, no, I heard, about- I heard my name. I heard my name from the headset. So I was just like, hopefully <laughs> I didn't like actually miss anything. <laughs> I, I invoked Nora's name and Mark came running. Yeah, pretty much. How convenient. <laughs> hmm. Hmm. We know how to summon Mark Donica. Uh, okay, so talking about, you know, Clover, let's talk about the ace operatives a little bit, because this is the first time we really get to see this team in action. And for me, this was kind of like uh, in Attack on Titan, seeing the original Levi squad at work for the first time. Oh, like, God. This is with far less dire consequences, I should point out. Jesus. <laughs> With far less dire consequences. But, you know, it's one of those things where you see this team and you can, it's, you know, we we stick with Team Ruby for so long and it's so fun seeing those characters interact off of each other. And same with Team Juniper, where it's like, 
they're they they learning how to interact and learning how to become an amazing team and seeing them grow and develop in that way is really cool but then you get a team like the Aesops where they've been at this for a number of years and you can just tell how competent they are and like how cool and confident they are because they go into this and there's no hesitation there's they're like they know what they're doing and like this is kind of just a walk in the park for them. So it was really cool getting to see them play off of one another and actually getting to see all of their semblances as well. Yeah. And as Mark pointed out, seeing Ruby fangirl over over somebody else's abilities was very, very volume one as well. Um, so and uh, we actually did a look at the Ruby wiki and we believe take this with a grain of salt but it looks like there are references for all of the characters in terms of what Aesop fables they are drawn from and so again take this with a grain of salt but it looks like Clover is based off of a fisherman's good luck Elm and Vine are based off of the Elm and the Vine Harriet is based off of the hair from the tortoise and the hare as we had surmise the obvious one and marrow is based off of the dog and its reflection and kind of looking at these different stories uh it's interesting to see how they are appearing in ruby proper and so now that we have these sort of points of reference how has that changed your perspective on these characters let's start with mark so i one of the things that i'm curious and um the, the, these theories seem to be pretty legit, not just because they counteract mine and I'm upset about it, but it's more of um, early on when I talked, we were talking about um, the wolf and the wolf. Yeah, what is it? The wolf in sheep's clothing. Like, oh, that's not actually an Aesop. So I was trying to I've been trying to find legit lists of all of all of the references. And Elm and the Vine is just one of those ones that I never came upon. And the reason is just it hasn't it hasn't necessarily been 100% confirmed as an Aesop tale. So, I mean, it's a very interesting story. I love Vines like Mr. Fantastic-esque um, stretch arms. Or stre- I, I guess maybe Stretch Armstrong stretch arms. And I love that Elm can root herself in the ground. They make a wonderful team. And Marrow, I think has my favorite weapon in a really long time. It's hard because Clover is just a legit fishing pole uh, that I guess can also be used as a hook blade. But Marrow having a boomerang a boomerang blade, so that's for fans of another franchise, and uh, and as well as it also being a gun, is is pretty interesting. How the team dynamic is as you say these are these are, this is a team that has been through a lot and has a modus operandi very clearly and this is one of the coolest grim disposal uh fight scenes that we've seen in a while and even just comparing it to the last geist fight scene that we had which was Nora versus the geist pumpkin in Ruby Ch- I'm kidding <laughs> the first time the first time we see a geist and it's just uh, it's ranger or orange or whatever you want to not orange excuse me whatever you, whatever you want to call the uh, the original team with Ru- or juniper with with ruby but just seeing the tactical efficiency with which they take out this legitimately terrifying foe is one of the things that made you go no more 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 I want to see more of this team and I I adored it 
I want to kind of lean on the parallelism a little bit with the comparison to the last Geist fight. And what I appreciate is that the last time we had a Geist fight, it was, again, Jean trying to figure things out and come into his own and figuring out on the fly that, wait, go for the joints, that's how we do it. And then fast forward a couple of seasons, and here we are with this ace operatives team with the with the professionals doing pretty much the exact same thing. And it's it's just this bit of parallelism that I can really, really appreciate. And even retroactively, it shows a little bit of, yeah, Jean is the strategist. Jean is the tactical brains of the team. He's good at what he does. Like, I, I appreciated that about this. And and I also want to say before I'm done that Harriet Shoryukening, the, uh, <laughs> the geist to death, was super rad. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Oh, I love Harriet. <laughs> uh, Stacy, yeah, what do you think? Uh, I mean, their technical prowess was just something to behold, and I guess completely expected out of Atlas. So it'll be fun to see them mash up with kind of the more wilder on-the-fly style of Ruby and uh, and John's teams. So that'll make for some fun learning experiences going both ways. Uh, as far as the, the Fable connections go... Uh, I think it's interesting to hear everyone's different opinions and kind of placements of Marrow because we're still like of the multiple camps of, okay, so the the dog in his reflection kind of sets him up to be that traitor, right? Kind of sets him up to, ooh, look, it looks nicer down there. I could get more if I, you know, go off on this path and to see that fable play out. Uh, versus some of the other possibilities for him where he's more, you know, the Aesops are actually going to be what they appear. Yeah, and also there are like 20 dog fables. Yep. So like <laughs> there's a, you could go really anywhere with uh, what Marrow can be compared to because we'd know so little about him already. Actually, it looks like the dog in his bone was uh, confirmed on Twitter Larissa Angus, who is the senior character concept artist at Rooster Teeth, um, she put up some concept art of Marrow and Kupu, uh, Kupa'a on Twitter made a comment about, is he based on the dog and his bone? And Larissa wrote back, you're the first person I've seen to get that. So that is the one, it, it looks like that's confirmation as to Marrow's uh, source material. I think everyone else, like, Harriet is obvious. Like, I think the rest of them are fairly obvious. But, yeah, for Marin, it, for, why do I keep calling him Marin? <laughs> I'm going back to my old Sorcerer Hunters days, you guys. It's been a while. Um, for Marrow, it looks like we do have confirmation for that. And as, as Stacy points out, that potentially sets him up to be a tragic character. Um, whether it's setting him up to be a traitor because he's hoping for a brighter future for the Faunus, or whether it's just him making a misstep in terms of, like, wanting something better. Not necessarily in a traitor capacity, but doing something he thinks is right, and then ultimately that backfiring on him. Like, I could very much see him being set up as a tragic character for the, the Aesops, but I could also see him, like... The, the literary inspirations for a lot of these characters aren't necessarily 100%. Like, they're not always a one-to-one. -one. Um, but 
they're also there. And when they do line up, um, they do line up. And so it's something to maybe keep in mind for the rest of the volume, although that's not necessarily the end-all be-all of his character. Well, the framework of wanting something more is already there because he's a faunus in Atlas, where he did make that comment about, you know, some humans go out of their way to mistreat us and some of them just, it's easier for them to stay with the status quo because they benefit from it. Like, he knows, he knows what situation he's in, he knows where he is, he's very much aware. And so I can see this uh, coupled with the fable that he's from, the setup is already there. Actually, that reminds me, I wanted to to get your guys' take on this because the area of the launch site where they're clearing it, the mines where the geist has taken refuge, um, Blake makes a comment of like, oh, this I know this place, this is where a terrible accident happened. And Weiss comments of like, I remember how angry it made my father before she gives her apology. I wanted to get your guys' take on this. Is this the the accident site where Elia's parents died? I'm going to go with yes. Mm-hmm. Stacy? Yep. <laughs> Mark? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think you heard him. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm not happy bringing this up, guys. It was just the thing that immediately came to my mind. I mean, I think the other thing we didn't touch on in the mine is it's it's tremors down there. <laughs> it's basically tremors. And I, I, I'm i pretty sure that our nice, weird, graboid grim were basically just to show off, here's all of the new weapons. Here's all of the new whatever. And hey, Aesops, here's what the kids can do when you don't bolo them within five seconds of meeting them. Speak, But speaking of that, Everybody, I think, is very sort of disarmed with how seeing all of the cool new stuff. And to be sure, it's all really cool stuff. But something that terrified me is Mero's stay. Yes. Where he he froze the Grim. But we don't. That's the only instance that we've seen of it. How long can he keep things frozen? How big of a radius does that affect? Does he have to be looking at everybody? Because that that is an amazing tour tool for uh, spy work, espionage, anything. Where if you're just trying to see something, boom, snap your fingers, and everybody is frozen. And because it's grim, we don't know if they're aware. We don't know if they're like looking around, wondering what's going on. It was a great way to introduce us to that. And while it was very cool for the moment, it has terrifying implications. I kind of read it as the uh, D&D spell command. One word, 30 yeah. feet, target must understand common. Like, I, I know that that's probably not exactly what it is, but that's how I parsed it. So I'm interested, especially if he winds up being, being a traitor or making a mistake or whatever. Like, there's, there's some horrifying potential there in the same way that Emerald Semblance also has horrifying potential and we've seen her use it to its maximum yeah to to your point mark i am terrified (laughs) of what that could mean later on down the road um yeah especially depending on what path marrow decides to walk down um something you pointed out off air um in relation to the elm and the vine though elm and vine um uh in that in that fable they very much need each other. So uh, to your point, it's probably very unlikely that we'll see the two of them apart 
anytime soon. Unless it's going to be a part of a strategy where you're where either opposing forces or any anything that knows about those two will keep them apart on purpose. I, I think my favorite out of all of these, though, was the dynamic between Ruby and Harriet. I, lo- I just love anytime you get to see speedsters interact off of each other. Um, and like, I-, I love the quintessential like, oh, you know, you're just a- you're probably just a little bit not as fast as me. Um, I always appreciate that. But I also like the idea of like looking at Team Ruby from the perspective of Team of, of the Aesops. Like, I feel like if we had been following the Aesops for, for all this time, and then all of a sudden we get introduced to this new cast of characters and, you know, looking at them through the eyes of the, the seasoned team, it's kind of adorable looking at Harriet being like, well, you're not quite as fast as me. Oh, hey. And then kind of taking on that mentorship role of like, hey, there's probably more to you than you think. And just having Blake and Yang laughing to themselves of like, you have no idea, girl. <laughs> but that also brings the point of we've all just kind of accepted Ruby's semblance as a speedster semblance. Having another speedster point it out and say, hey, there's probably something else going on there. Like, have we as an audience ever questioned that? Or do we just kind of go, oh, yeah, she does the supersonic thing and goes into a ball and goes really fast and then it's fine. Like, have we ever actually questioned what Ruby's semblance is or what it does as an audience, as a fandom, as a whole I don't know that we've really gone down that line of inquiry, especially since we got the whole Silver Eyes thing last season and we've all been stuck on that. Stacy, what do you think? Uh, about, <laughs> I mean, that in particular? <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, mostly. Hmm. I don't know. I <laughs> Yeah, I've never, I've never thought about questioning it either. I think like uh, it's just something I've always accepted at face value. Yeah, I think I've seen it brought up um, earlier, though. Of is that what's really going on? You know, people noticing small peculiarities, but really nothing that's like, like widespread, almost I guess, conspiracy theory of no, no, (laughs) there's something else that's not her semblance. Um, We've never really been given a reason to question it. So most people haven't. And, you know, as Katie pointed out with the silver icing, we've had a lot more to be distracted by. <laughs> so that hasn't been top priority. I think that's fair. Um, do we have any more thoughts on the ace operatives, their abilities, their literary parallels before we wrap up this episode? Because there's one more beat we need to touch on before we wrap up. Ilma's the best and I love her. Okay, I was I was going to ask if we could go around and say what everybody's favorite weapon or ability was. Uh, okay, yeah. Mark, let's start with you. Um, I, I'm just going to echo what I said before. I think Marrow's uh, weapon is one of the coolest designs, and I'm surprised that we hadn't seen anything of it yet. But I'm immediately going to walk that back. And uh, Harriet's Jack's arms to sort of counterbalance the fact that she's so fast to give her additional upper body strength as well is a presents an interesting tactical advantage as well as just really cool moments like the lightning shoryuken that we saw (laughs) stacy i think um they're all very technically well thought out but I'm, i'm standing by vine still the coolest he's really cool 
I love that Stretch Armstrong. I'm going to say, I need to stop calling him Zenyatta. He needs another name now. That was my first thought, You could too. try mine. <laughs> that was definitely the vibe I got. I had to walk Thank myself you. back and be like, no, no, that's not what's going on here. Vinyatta. Uh, <laughs> I, I Vine currently has yeah. more lore than Zenyatta, all right? It's a problem. Vinyatta is the CrossFit ship name. <laughs> what have I done? Mark, you just can't help but bring shipping into everything, can you? <laughs> Somebody stop me, please. Please stop me. Never. Never. Sorry, Mark. We never actually left the shipping shelf. <laughs> We've been oh here the whole God. time. <laughs> I've been deceived again. <laughs> You've joined us. Welcome. Come ship with us. You can never leave oh. now. <laughs> Forever and, and ever. ever. All right, I'm going to take my headphones off again. This is way too <laughs> Okay, Katie, how about you? What's your oh, favorite? I figured that would have been a good place to segue into the horror movie part of things. Um, I just love Elm as a person. She's my favorite. Regardless of everything else, I just fucking love her. That moment of her carrying Ruby on her shoulders was absolutely yeah, adorable. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm going to have to echo Mark's sentiment. Harriet's my favorite. I, I love speedsters and the mechanisms on her arms were just, it had an, it gave, it made me literally go out loud, cool, when I saw it. So I, that's hands down my favorite. Um, but they're all awesome and I'm really looking forward to Team Ruby getting to work with them or maybe having to go up against them to bump a bum in the future uh, <laughs> later on. So I'm I'm excited. Um, but yeah, it, yeah, if that's um, if that's all we're I think we should probably wrap up because yeah. we've been going for a little while um, talking about the Aesops. There's one more story beat and that is uh, I felt so bad. The camera cut back to Forrest. And no, whenever the camera cuts back to you, non-essential character, oh man, it spells out doom for you if you're in a horror movie. And Ruby decided to dip its toes back into horror movie territory, which it hasn't been since, um, since the apathy. So, uh, also, can, I know Tyrion, uh, his semblance, I assume, is his poison abilities. Maybe that's not true. Maybe that's just his ability as a faunus. I'm just wondering, can he teleport? <laughs> because he appeared in a very horror movie monster-esque way where I, I question whether or not teleportation is his semblance. But we also saw his eyes change color when he started doing the poison thing, so I wouldn't be surprised if the poison was his semblance, to go along with his faunus scorpion tail. Not all scorpions are poisonous. But the main thing here is that Tyrion murders this guy. Yep. What's what's the what's oh, the motivation here? Is it just because Tyrion likes to kill or is it is like are they looking to frame Maybe maybe they're looking to frame Robin Hill and her happy huntresses. Maybe they're they they're looking um, or maybe specifically because he is a faunus, if they're going to try to use a string of murders to frame faunus for, you know, murder of random citizens in Atlas. Uh, let's let's start with Stacy. What do you think there's a motive here or do you think Tyrion just likes to kill? <laughs> well, so first of all, the first time I watched this episode, I was like, maybe he's not dead. Maybe he's not dead. And then we rewatched it earlier and my husband looked at me and he goes, no, he, he's dead. He killed him. <laughs> so uh, we're 
I'm I'm guessing that there is a motive behind the murders. My first thought was that they are going to kill people who have been connected to Robin Hill's kind of campaign and her her entire movement to kind of create unrest with Atlas, make it look like Atlas is responsible for these murders so that the people kind of rise up a little bit more and just cause more general chaos, which Tyrion thrives in. So, uh, but yeah, it could be used against anyone, really. Mark, what do you think? Hop into off the shelf into conspiracy corner. <laughs> now, a place where I'm very comfortable. Um, but I, I agree with Stacey. I think this is a way to sow unrest in the citizens of Mantle just so that one, it welcomes more grim more chaos, more of an opportunity to work in the shadows. And while people are trying to figure out what's going on top, I say top level, but you know, on the surface of society, they get to work and weave and find what they need with, uh, with whatever they're working on for Salem at the time being presumably trying to find the next relic. But uh, yes, I think we didn't necessarily know who the first murder victim was, but with Forrest being such a vocal supporter of Robin and who we still have yet to meet, I think that either they're going specifically for Hill supporters to try to get Hill up there to cause more unrest and more, whatever. I think they're just disrupting. That's what it's going to be. And to speak to the semblance thing, I think... Tyrion just has a knack for the creepy. He was like seeing the light flicker. He w- he was watching the pad and it was like, no, no, not yet, not yet, not yet. Now, and there he showed up. Like he was just just out of the out of the light and just stepped in at the right moment. And for us, it was an amazing moment, but it, for him, it was probably a lot of trial and error. Uh, yeah, he he has carefully honed this craft of being as creepy as humanly possibly. Is honestly possible? As honestly possible. Physically possible. Let's we'll go, go with that. that. Fonestly possible. I like fonestly possible, and I, I don't normally approve puns, but I approve. Fonestly fo- possible was my favorite Disney Channel show. <laughs> okay. I, d- um, I, I do think that his semblance is with the venom, because, you know, scorpions are poisonous, you know, yada, yada, yada. Um, nothing fucks up a community like a serial killer like once people get if if any of if any of my year and some change of listening to my favorite murder has taught me anything it's that a serial killer will seriously screw up your community not just because people are dying but it's also the ability to create that fear and have they figured out a profile do you fit the profile who's next like if for one, yeah, just having someone like that in their midst on top of everything else is a good way to strike terror, cause unrest, get more grim going. And if the profile of the victims is, yeah, people who support Robin Hill, then you have people who would support someone who would want to make positive change, maybe not being as vocal, maybe backing down, maybe withdrawing their support because they're terrified and they don't want to get McMurdered in an alleyway by God knows who. It's, again, nothing will fuck up your community like a serial killer. And that, I think, is part of what we're going for here. It's also possible 
that they found out that Forrest spent some time with Team Ruby in, you know, a place where they couldn't necessarily get to them in that nice little shuttle ride and decided that he didn't need to be around anymore for it. That's possible. Um, I like the the theory of, like, just generally creating more unrest in Mantle um, for one reason or another. There was a blurb in episode one when, you know, we were looking at that um, hologram projection with all the news stories. One of them was about a journalist going missing. And Mm. so I I don't necessarily think that this is random. I think, yeah, it was specifically because of Forrest's vocal support of Robin and the Happy Huntresses, I think that's specifically why he was targeted. And because that that little news blurb tells us that, you know, he's not the only person going missing. Um, so I would assume that Watts and Tyrion are responsible for that, um, for the journalists going missing as well. Uh, so, yeah, I think that just about does it. Do we have any final thoughts on this episode? Anything else we want to bring up before we wrap it up? I'm just excited to see more. Same. Um, there was something that I wanted to bring up last time, but because we were so low on time, it never came up and slash I forgot it. Um, when we had Ironwood talking about the Winter Maiden, did anybody else think that it was going to be Mama Schnee? I thought maybe that was the case when they they talked about... Um, there, like It crossed my mind, but then specifically when they referred to her as stable... And no spring chicken. That made me think like, no, it's probably somebody older. But it did cross my mind for sure. Someone would have stepped into that family situation long before it got this bad. Like if she was an actual mover and shaker in the larger plot of the world, they would have kept Ironwood, Oz, etc. Would have kept a much better eye on her and possibly removed her from the situation. Because it's 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 kind of an open secret that she's not okay. But at the same time, how do we not know that that's already happened? How like we haven't seen Mama Schnee yet? Jacques referred to her a little bit. We're back when we were or she was referred to, I should say, back when uh, Weiss was locked in the house, and and we, maybe it has happened, but it's just been provided to us in a different light to make it think, oh, she's just she's just around but what if there are some things in place and it's another note of they haven't told weiss everything i don't know it's you said we were in paranoia corner so here i am (laughs) but weiss also commented on her own backstory saying that you know the parents stopped going to things together and then mom went from a glass of wine at dinner to a bottle of wine to a bottle all the time like it's it's again if she was impor- if she played an important role in this overarching story, such as being a maiden, there would have been an intervention before that point. We're only allowed to have one functioning alcoholic on the team, and uh, he doesn't have magic. If someone is super powerful magic, y- you don't. Let- mm. It's also entirely possible that they're just lying about the the maiden's condition. Um, it's entirely possible that the if if in fact the Winter Maiden was older and like and a character that we never met, kind of like the Spring Maiden, it's entirely possible that she has already passed on and that that power has been transferred to someone else and that they're just lying about it. <laughs> well, because at the same time, all of the the maidens so far eventually end up being somebody close to our main characters. Yeah. 
where the 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 theory being that one day presumably the maiden's powers are going to make our way to our main characters the that's sort of where my thing was coming from i didn't mean to, to peel this off into a whole extra conversation it was just something that i didn't say on the last episode no no well, for sure possible and i'm giving it serious consideration Sounds like something that we'll need to talk about next time. Yeah. (laughs) I think that's something that'll be worth bringing up again once we actually get to see more of the Schnee family. And let's be real, it's gonna happen just given what we've seen in the opening. Um, talking, right. talking about things uh, I meant to bring up last week, uh, in our first episode, I mistakenly referred to a new writer on the show with the wrong name. I wrote it in my notes it, on my phone, and my phone decided to autocorrect the incorrect name. <laughs> so I, refer, I mistakenly referred to uh, the new writer as Kieran. Her name is actually Kersey Burkhart. So... Uh, correction corner <laughs> for 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 episode one. So so sorry, Kersey. Um, I I am very happy that Miles again Miles and Carrie and Eddie are are all working on this, and I'm so happy that Kersey is working on it too. So just apologies <laughs> for getting the name wrong. My phone is dumb. Um, okay, so yeah, I think that just about does it for for this week's episode. Mark, where can people go if they want to keep up with you? You can find me on Twitter at Mark Bidonica and Instagram too. Uh, this weekend, I'm going to be taking a bit of a work trip. And if you want to follow all of my excitement in taking my first work trip at my new job, please check it out there. It will be very hard to uh, to contain myself. Um, and then also, uh, my wife and I have been taking a little bit of a hiatus from our Party of Two podcast just due to physical ailments and work and things like that. But uh, we're going to be coming back next week, so make sure to check us out. If you're a fan of theme parks or not, if you're a fan of uh, banter and the occasional snide remark between husband and wife, make sure to check out a Party of Two podcast. Uh, it's also on Anchor, but we're on Twitter at Party of Two Pod. Stacy, find me all over at Stacy Shuttles. I'm going to be starting the planning stages of a, a new cosplay coming up soon. So uh, go ahead and follow for all the general updates and crying over fabric that will be definitely <laughs> happening. Katie. I'm Katie Cullen. You can follow me all over the social medias as well as on YouTube and Twitch at Kiaxet. That is K-I-A-X-E-T. If you enjoy watching reaction videos to these episodes, they live on that YouTube channel. And if you enjoy watching good mobile games or terrible Overwatch, that's the Twitch channel. And I'm Megan. You guys can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at TheManguin. That's T-H-E-M-E-N-G-U-I-N. I also do a Lost retrospective podcast called No Love Lost, where my co-host Will Link loves Lost, and I don't. We talk about it. I also have a YouTube channel called Silver Screams, where we talk about horror things. It's a good time. Uh, be sure to follow the entire team at The Rooster Team on Twitter. Uh, be sure to join our Discord. We want to hear your guys' thoughts. Uh, we, last week, we called for a new sign-out for our show. Uh, but at the time of this recording, that, uh, ha- that episode has been up for only about 24 hours. So we haven't had time to to get that many suggestions so we're going to give you guys another week uh, to give people a chance to listen to the show on their uh, morning commutes this week so guys we are looking for a new sign out so go to the discord and leave your suggestions there we want to hear from you guys um 
And also, if you haven't already done so, there's a Tee Public store you can go check out, get some fun t-shirts, get some merch, uh, all sorts of good stuff. And there is an episode of Welcome to Vale. Episode 5 recently got uploaded. It is so, so good, and I want to hear what you guys have to say about it, because it made me very, very happy to hear it all come together. Um, So again, thank you guys so, so much for listening. We will see you all next time.